Let me pray for us. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for the the beautiful weather you've been giving us, uh, the cool, crisp mornings and the sunny days. Father, what a reminder of your grace and your goodness and your mercy that you shower on us every day. Father, we thank you for the breakfast this morning. Thank you for Mark and his efforts to put it together and make sure it's ready when we get here. Father, thank you for Ben and the guys who get here early and set everything up and make sure that it's ready to go. Uh, Lord, we, we just give you this morning, and I just pray that you would speak to us mightily through your word and, and show us, Father, what it means to have a passion, uh, a passion for the things of God, the cause of Christ, and that we might live out that passion uh, throughout every area of our lives, Father. Lord, we again thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to come together as men and to study your word and to encourage one another and to challenge one another in our walk. May you be glorified by all that we say and do in the next minutes we have together. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, guys, over the last weeks we've been talking about, last couple of weeks, talking about two issues, priorities and margins. And we really spent three weeks on that. And we talked about these two things are really important for us to get a hold of in our lives, priorities and margin. And one of the verses we've been looking at is this one in Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. We're his workmanship. We're his creation. We've been created for a purpose. And that purpose is that we would do good things that he's planned from before time for us to do. But two things get in the way. Priorities. And then the lack of margin in our life. We talked about margin last week. We're, we just don't have any limits. We're, we're just stacked up, filled up, overstressed, overtaxed, overcommitted. And so if God comes alongside and says, I want you to do X, we just basically, we don't have, we can't squeeze it in. We don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have the energy. And so those two things get in the way. You know, over the last weeks, we've been talking about this issue of being called. Every guy in the room is called. That's been hopefully made pretty clear. We've been called to someone, a relationship with God. That's the reason he called us. You know, and it's, it's always been amazing to me that I guess, you know, being raised in a, in a preacher's home that I always thought you got, you know, God called you so you could go do things for him. Like, you know, God needs help. Um, God does not need help. God doesn't need me to do anything for him. He first and foremost calls me to a relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. It's all about relationship. Then secondly, he calls me to something. But the something is real important. And we've looked at this before, but I want to bring it up again because it fits into what we're going to talk about this morning. He has called you and I to a relationship with him and then to be about doing things for him. But that thing that he wants us to do is to think, to speak, and live and act for him in whatever we do. To think and act and speak for him in whatever we do. So throughout our day, every area of our lives, we live it out for him. We do it for him. We speak for him. We think on, on his behalf. So it affects everything we do. Starts with a relationship and then it permeates everything we do. So I want to just set that up for this morning because, again, it fits into what we're going to do. Those two things, the relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son and living out my life in every area for Him should be the two all-consuming passions of my life and your life. 
But the question is, are they? Are those the two all-consuming passions? And I think if you're honest, and if I'm honest, we'd have to say, yeah, probably not. Uh, I'd like it to be, sounds good on paper, sounds like a wonderful goal, but not real realistic. Is your relationship with God and living out your life, everything that you say, everything that you act, everything that you think, for Him, are those the two all-consuming passions of your life? The truth is, in my life and in your life, there's a lot of things competing for your passions, right? A lot of things that uh, get in the way. Things that we get passionate about. Things that we have a heart for. Things that we get excited about. You know, somebody came up uh, this morning and asked me, am I excited about the Mavs season starting? And I've got mixed feelings about that. I'm still getting over last season. Uh, and most of you know I love basketball, I, I, I love the Mavs, but last year was such a disappointment the way they ended the season. But I have a passion for that. I have a passion for college basketball. I don't have much of a passion at this point for the Cowboys. But there's a lot of things I can get passionate about, and they get in the way of me being passionate about the things of God. So this morning what we want to talk about is passion. Where's the passion? What makes you wake up in the morning? What gets you really stoked? What gets you fired up? What really energizes you? And it should be somewhere in our lives a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ and a passion to just live out your life in such a way that everything you do brings glory and honor to Him. Well, what does it mean to have passion? What does it mean? I want you to watch a a short little video that is kind of an interview of people on the streets. And it's kind of interesting what people respond. If if somebody walked up to you today and said, you know, what what are you passionate about? What would you say? Well, this is what happened on this video. Check this out and just see what people say about their passion. Is there anything that you are passionate about? Yes, I'm very passionate about my music. Tell me what you're passionate about. Oh, come on, that's not an easy question. And I'm very passionate about football. Um, about my pets. <laughs> and women. Okay. Uh, music, college sports. I'm pretty passionate about athletics. I like to distribute these books. These books about yoga and meditation. I'm passionate about life itself. Feel my honey. I guess uh, philosophy. Animals. You tell me why. Uh, I don't know. I've always kind of had a love for animals. Well, to me, it's, it's like the American dream, right? You know, because you, you find something you like and, and you get around it and you get people to pay you to be around that. You know, that's why I want to be a dry cleaner. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that I never got an animal as a little kid. I don't know. A little bitterness. I don't know. That's basically what I have to say about it. <laughs> people, bring me your sheets and I will give them to you clean. I promise. Tell me something you're passionate about. I am passionate about my friends. Tell me why. Um, because I like how I, I like who I am when I'm with them, and I like how it makes me feel. What does it mean to be passionate? Probably more something a lot more than loving your pets. <laughs> so it mean to be passionate to uh, believe in something to. Uh, give me a minute. To be passionate about something means you're totally engrossed. Uh, both mentally and physically in that particular activity. 
is a word I'm looking for, and I don't have it. But it's you know, you, to believe to have uh, a verb, a, a, just a belief in whatever you're doing. Passion means I want to spend a lot of energy on something. I give a lot of my my time and thought and my planning. I go toward achieving something, you know, some material goal. So something that you're passionate about is something that you generally that you generally won't leave alone if it goes unfinished. Um, it's. It gives you life. It gives you something beyond the normal everyday. Oh, just involved um, with heart and soul, spirit. It's exhilarating. It's, it's why you live, essentially. How do you know that you're passionate about something? Well, the reason I know that I'm passionate about it is because um, those are the things that make me that I most care about, that make me most angry, <laughs> make me most happy, and um, influence me the most in the decisions I make. It's a passion because it's something I want to do all the time. It's not something I just enjoy doing. It's something I enjoy doing, but I enjoy it because I'm so passionate about it. Tell me why you know it's a passion for you versus just something that you really enjoy doing. Well, like, I enjoy riding a bike, but it doesn't give you, like, that feeling of happiness where there's nothing else that could touch it. When you when you love something, you know what I'm saying, it you it comes from the heart, exactly. Passion passion comes from the heart. Yeah. I mean if it's not in your heart, then it's not your passion. You know what I'm saying? It's not your love. Is there anything you're passionate about in life? Um, I'm passionate about my faith in Jesus Christ and um, trying to uh, be like him and to yeah. spread the gospel. Tell me how you know it's a passion versus something that you just simply enjoy doing. Um, how do I know it's a passion? Um, it's my life. Like, that's what I live for. So I like to think that that's, that would be um, a good way to, to look at it as being a passion. It's because that's what I care about. Everything else seems to just um, fall away. It doesn't really matter. Um, that's, like, all I care about. And um, that's all I want to do is uh, live the Christian life and to tell everyone about Jesus. So. Kind of interesting, isn't it? A uh, wide range of answers. You know, I love the dry cleaner guy. You know, bring me your sheets and I'll give them back to you clean. But, um, I'm not sure how serious he was. Is there anything? But, you know, they always have to put in, yeah, of course I got this from a Christian site, so they always have to put the guy on at the end who gives the right answer. I'm not real sure how passionate that guy really is. Um, right answers, but he didn't look real passionate. Uh, he didn't look real excited, but that is the right answer, isn't it? You know, what, what are you passionate about? Well, it, hopefully for us in this room, it should be my relationship with Jesus Christ. But what are we really passionate about? And are we really passionate? You know, it's interesting when you look up the, the word passion, it, just in the dictionary, it's, it's kind of interesting. Look what it says. It's a strong or extravagant fondness, enthusiasm, or desire for anything. So you could be passionate about anything. But he goes on, it's the state of being acted upon or affected by something external, especially something alien to one's nature or one's customary behavior. Kind of interesting that you start thinking about that in terms of your relationship with Christ and his impact on you. It's, he's definitely outside of our normal behavior, isn't he? He's, he's kind of an external force that acts upon us and draws us to him. And then it's boundless enthusiasm and it's also the object of that enthusiasm. That's passion. You know, passion is when you see a guy and, you know, you, you're watching the uh, Monday night football game and it's a guy up in the stands and he's got his shirt off and he probably shouldn't have his shirt off. 
and he's painted his entire body, and he's got you know half his face painted, and he's just screaming like crazy. He's passionate. He's full of boundless enthusiasm and a lot of alcohol, but he's he's boundless, and he's showing that enthusiasm for his team. Um, that's what I, I tend to think of that when I think of passion, you know, people who are passionate. But I also think of people who you get around them and they just have something about them is addictive. Uh, their attitude about life and their their excitement about a particular thing is just they just exude passion for it. It's what they talk about. It's what they're excited about. It's what they. You just can't be around them and not have a clue about what really makes them tick. Uh, and again, it could be anything and everything. But in our context this morning, I really feel like our passion needs to be about the things of Christ. And how passionate are we? Well, what are some of the things you're passionate about? What, what do you get excited about? Just throw out some things right now. What are you passionate about? Or maybe you don't want to think about you. Maybe it's... What are a lot of us passionate about? Put it in the third person. What are guys like us passionate about? Family, okay? There are no wrong answers. What else? Sports. Money. Country. Yeah. What else? Cars. Yeah. What else? Come on. What? Running. Running Running to the next car you want to buy, yeah. Anything else? What are you passionate about? Food. Food, yeah. Getting what we want. want. Anything else? Music, Music. yeah. Dry cleaning. Dry cleaning, yeah. we, We got another one in the room, yeah. Yeah, dry cleaning. You know, I just, you've thrown all these out, but, you know, we've got hobbies, we've got work, we've got pleasure, we've got family. We can also be passionate about religion, can't we? I thought it was interesting, the young man who said uh, uh, he loves handing out books about uh, yoga, and he's, he's passionate. He's got a passion. You know, you, you've probably had the guys knocking your door the, in the matching shirts and ties and you know, they come riding up on bicycles, and I've yet to meet one who's not passionate about what they believe. Um, so much so that they're willing to go spend two years of their lives as missionaries. You know, Mormons go all around the, the world on these mission trips because they're passionate about what they believe. They're enthusiastic. But we can have a lot of things we're passionate about. I love what theologian Frederick Buchner says. Listen to this. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness, joy, happiness, and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls you to is where your joy and happiness and the needs of the world meet. Now think about the things you're passionate about. How often does that happen? You know, if you're passionate about the Cowboys, how often does your your passion for the Cowboys and the needs and the hungers of the world meet? You know... Your passion for running, your passion for um, your hobby, your passion for whatever, dry cleaning. When when does the the deep hunger of the world and your gladness meet in your passion right now? And it's not to say any of those things are wrong, but I think he's hit on something that we were created, Ephesians 2.10, 
And we were given good things to do from before the foundation of the world. And when those two things mesh, that's when you will find your true passion. That's when you will truly get excited about waking up in the morning. And what's exciting is to hear many of you and have lunch with you and talk with you and over coffee and discover that you are discovering your passion. God is giving that to you. And to watch your eyes light up and to watch you get excited about things. You know, Jim Hollers has a passion. Uh, one of the things I love about Jim is, you know, he, he has a passion for the Fort Worth Cats. Because he loves baseball? Not particularly. It's because he loves the gospel and he loves sharing the gospel and he loves impacting the lives of those young men who may never hear the gospel in another way. You know, Jim has been said, you know, he, he's been struggling with Parkinson's. He's got a neck brace on this morning because he's going to have to have surgery. Um, he loves to run, but he can't run now because he told me this morning if he has one more fall, it could end up in paralysis. So, but he loves to exercise. He's got a website called Don't Quit. Um, he's a guy that doesn't give up. He's got a passion. You can't be around Jim Hollers without understanding that he's passionate. And he loves what he does. That's addictive. It's really addictive. Benjamin Honeycutt is a guy, he's a, uh, a professor at the University of Iowa. And listen to what he says. This was actually in your homework, but if you missed it, this is pretty profound. He notes that work has become our new religion. Where we worship and give our time and energy, as our commitment to family, community, and faith shrink, we begin to look to our careers to provide us with meaning, identity, and esteem. We must be ever watchful to keep our calling, something we do for God, from becoming a career, something that threatens to become God. Now, guys, I'm going to say this every time because I want you to hear me out. I am in no way demeaning or denigrating work. We are created to work. And what you do for a living is extremely important. But when your work becomes your God, you have a problem. And we're going to talk about this more next week. But your work, what you do for a living, is not necessarily your calling. And oftentimes, and in most times, it has nothing to do with your calling. So we need to make sure that we, we the thing that we're doing for God, serving God, having a relationship with Him, is kept first and foremost. That's our calling. And don't let, allow our career to become our God. That that's where we get all of our strokes, all of our self-esteem. It's the only place we get any passion. It's the only thing we get excited about because we get a paycheck. God has created you and I for something greater. And I am grateful for every guy in this room who has a job, who works hard, who is diligent, who is successful in what he does because God's equipped him to be so. But I'm a whole lot more excited about those of us who are discovering what our passion is and what God is going to do and is doing through our lives to impact the world for eternity. So what are we passionate about? Whatever we're passionate about, we will worship. Whatever you're passionate about, you will worship. And you see this in guys' lives. Again, think of the guys you see on TV who are, you know, painted up and, you know, tricked out and they've got all the sports paraphernalia on, they are passionate about it and they worship whatever, it is, whatever sport it is, they worship it. It's, it's almost like an addiction for them. So whatever we're passionate about, we worship. How, how, how do we know that? It consumes our time. It eats up every available moment of your day. 
You're either thinking about it or you're doing it. It consumes time. It demands your attention. You just can't get away from it. And that's why oftentimes we can think about our work that many of us go on vacation and we can't get away from work. It's all we think about. We're always checking our Palm Pilot. We're always, you know, I wonder what's going on at the office. Maybe I need to check in. Maybe I need to call. And, you know, here's your family waiting to go do something and you're just, you're on your laptop. It, it demands your attention. It's become your passion. It captures your heart, your affection. You know, you just, you miss it. Uh, you just, you can't stand being away from it. You know, there, there are guys who actually go through depression when certain sports seasons are over. You know, and it's like, oh, man, i got to wait till next year. You know, hockey's over. You know, basketball's over. And they, they go through a form of depression because it's captured their heart. It means so much to them. It determines your priorities. You know, we see this here at the church. It's, it's funny on, uh, it's not funny, it's kind of sad in a way, but we can watch attendance based on Super Bowl or based on just when do the Cowboys play. And if the Cowboys play at 3, what we can guarantee is the 9 o'clock service will be packed. And guess what the 5 o'clock service will be? You know, tumbleweeds. You know, why? Because the Cowboys are still playing. It's, it determines your priorities. It's what you worship. It's your passion. And here's the saddest part. It fulfills your needs. It makes you feel good. Whatever your need may be, whether you need entertainment or you need to feel good, or you, whatever you're passionate about tends to, you, you're passionate about because it, it fills your needs. It just meets a need in your life. And then it satisfies your desires. So if you think about that, guys, what are you, what are you passionate about? Well, passion is saying, this is what I value. If you're still struggling with, gosh, I'm not sure what passion is. It's whatever you value in your life. So, for instance, it's what I'm, here's what I'm willing to endure to have that passion. I will go through hell to get my passion. You know, I will, I will endure traffic to go to a Mavs game. I will give up certain pleasures so I can buy season tickets. I, I will do whatever I have to do to fulfill this passion. I will endure anything. It's what you value. Here's what I'm willing to pay to, to have my passion, to have it met. You know, you, you've heard from different guys in the room, and, uh, you know, David Breedlove and Brandon Bamey, and there are other guys that that you know, we could bring up here who are passionate about certain things. And when you meet somebody who has a passion, especially a passion for the cause of Christ, usually you will discover that they've given up something in order to pursue that passion. They may have given up a career. They may have given up um, a lifestyle they once enjoyed to pursue a passion for the things of God. That's not always the case, but oftentimes you find that it is. They're willing to pay a price... Because they value it so much. And they're willing to part with certain things in order to pursue their passion. And when you talk to these people, what's interesting is there are no, there, very rarely will you hear regrets. 
I gave up X so I could pursue Y. Gee, I wish I could get that back. They're willing to endure, pay, and part with any of a number of things because they value something greater, something more. All to fulfill my passion. But again, what's your passion? It's to get what I value. What do you value? What is valuable to you in your life right now? Okay, if you got your Bibles, open them up to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to look at two different characters from the Scriptures who I think give us some insight in, into what it is we are to value most. What are we to be passionate about? One's from the New Testament, one's from the Old Testament. We're going to start out with Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. And th- this is from the lips of Paul. Uh, you got to remember who Paul was. Paul is a guy who he'd had it all. He had been a Pharisee. He had been a uh, religious zealot. He had been successful in what he he was doing. He was a persecutor of the church. Uh, he, he gives his uh, resume several times in the New Testament about who he was before Christ. And then you know he had that Damascus Road experience where God got a hold of him. And he met Christ, the, the resurrected Christ, on the Damascus Road. And his life was radically changed. He was passionate before, but he had a new passion. He had something else driving him. Before he had had power, he had position, he had prominence, he had popularity, he had everything he could ever want. He was on the fast track to the top. Probably was going to end up being the high priest. He was, he was a mover and shaker in the religious world. But he was missing something. Well, if you look over in Philippians 3, 7 through 9, listen to what it says. He says, whatever things were gained to me, profitable... They were on the positive side. Those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. Uh, that word is scubula. It basically means dung. I count them as dung so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. What what can we learn from him? What did he learn? Successful guy, passionate guy. He says, we're to value knowing Christ. Do you value knowing Christ? Do you wake up in the morning and you go, man, I am so glad I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am so glad that he doesn't measure me based on my ability to keep laws and rules because if he did, I'd be sunk. Do you value knowing Christ? Does it mean a lot to you? He tells us that nothing else should compare. In comparison, everything else is like dung. It's worthless. It has no value. In comparison. So knowing Christ means more to me than anything else. If you think about that, it should... It should affect what we do when we get up in the morning. What's the first thing in your mind when you get out of the bed? Is it, man, i got to get the paper. Man, I need to get to work. Man, I can't wait to check the news. I, I can't wait to check the scores. Again, nothing wrong with those things, but it does reveal somewhat of what you value. It's the first thing you want to do is, man, I can't wait to get into the Word. I can't wait to hear what God may have to say to me this morning. I can't wait to talk to him. I can't wait to hear from him. I can't wait to listen to him. Nothing else should compare. 
We also learn from this passage that we should be passionate about our relationship with Christ. You get that from this passage. He is passionate about Christ. His relationship with Him means more than anything else. I would rather know Christ than anything else. I'd rather spend time with Christ than anything else. I'd rather be around other believers than anybody else. He's passionate about His relationship. And He had not gone from being passionless. You know, there's probably not a guy in this room who's passionless. You know, he's just like a blob sitting there going, I don't really care about anything. Yeah, I don't really have a passion. I just, you know, I just get up and go to work. And you... We have a passion. We have passion for something. He wasn't passionless. He just now has a new passion, a new desire, a new drive in his life. He was type A before. He's type A after. He didn't get radically changed in that respect. He just had new passions. He had had a shift in his passions. That's what has to happen in my life and your life. We don't lack passion. It's just that we lack passion for the right thing. It's a shift in your passions. What do you get up in the morning excited about? What really jazzes you? You know, one of the things that that I really do enjoy is being around other men who love the Lord. I had coffee yesterday with one of the guys in the room and another gentleman from the church, and we were just talking about small groups. I thoroughly enjoy those conversations. I love talking about spiritual things. I love just, hey, what's God doing in your life? What are you struggling with? What, do you, what, what have you learned from God lately? I enjoy that. And that's what we should be about. A shift in our passions. He had seen something more glorious than he had ever seen before. On that Damascus road, when that light shone and his life was radically changed, his value system changed. And what meant something to him before no longer meant what it used to mean. It was like rubbish. It was like dung. Because he had seen something greater. You know, what I think is missing in my life oftentimes and in your life oftentimes is that we do not value what we have. We do not truly value the relationship we have in Christ and we take it for granted. And we wake up in the morning, hey, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. This is great. I've got my ticket stamp, and I don't have to worry about that anymore. But then we treat it as if it is of no value because we live our lives as if we're not saved. We live just like the world. He had seen something far more glorious. And you get a picture of that in Ephesians 4. It's all throughout the letters of Paul. But listen to this. He says, I pray talking to the Ephesians, the believers there, that that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of Him since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the incomparable greatness of His power towards us who believe as displayed in the exercise of His immense strength. Do you get the passion here? What's he praying for these people? Man, I hope your eyes get wide open and I hope you understand just what it is you've got. Because until we do, we will live mediocre lives that are passionate about the wrong things. But if you take, again, I look across this room and what I see is potential. And I see if we were all passionate about one thing, pick it. Pick one thing and we all got passionate about it. What could we accomplish? 
If we all got passionate about the cause of Christ, what could we accomplish? What would happen if every time you and I got together, we talked about Christ? We talked about, hey, what are you doing in your life? How's your quiet time? How's your relationship with the Lord? How's it impacting your marriage? How are you and your kids doing? If it consumed us, it would change us, and it would change everything around us. We'll flip over to Joshua real quickly. I want to look at Caleb. Joshua chapter 14, starting in verse 6. Paul was a guy who was passionate. But how about this guy, Caleb? Just to give you a, a recap on Caleb, he was one of the guys who went in to spy out the land, and he came back with a good report, went in, checked it out, said, man, this place is great. Yeah, there's giants, but that's okay. God will take care of them. And the people basically said, we ain't going. God already said it's yours. All you got to go, go in and, and occupy it. But they rejected the word of Caleb and Joshua, and they didn't go in. So they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. He gave the good report, but the people rejected it, and they didn't go in and possess the land as God told them to. So guess what Caleb got to do for the next 40 years? Wander in the wilderness with all the other losers. But he trusted God. He was ready to go in, but he had to wait till they caught up. So for 40 years, he wanders. Now, in chapter 14, he's 85 years old. He's been wandering in the wilderness with these losers for 40 years, waiting for them to wake up and smell the coffee. He's 85 years old, and he's going to tell us his passion. Starting in verse 6, he says, Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. They're getting ready to go in again. Okay, now it's time, 40 years later. Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. Okay, 40 years old. I brought him back a report according to my convictions. I checked it out. I told him what I saw, and I told him we should go. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people sink. I, however, follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. That's important. You're going to see this come up two more times. So on that day, Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, and I love this. 85 years old, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle as I was then. Don't you just love this? This is the kind of guy I want to hang out with. This is the kind of guy I want to be when I'm 85. No, this is the kind of guy I want to be when I'm 55. He's got energy. He's enthusiastic. He's been wandering for 40-plus years, and he's still ready to go in. He's chomping. Hey, guys, let's go. I'll lead the charge. He's still wholeheartedly in love with God. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Give it to me. I'm ready to occupy it. You yourself heard that, that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since. Why? Don't miss this. Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. This is a guy with passion. 
This is a guy who was pumped. He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. That word literally means he was filled up with the things of God. He was bursting at the seams to follow God, to do what God wanted him to do. I don't know of very many things I would wait 40-plus years for, maybe a Mavericks championship, but I don't know many things. This guy waited 40 years, and he was ready to still go in and do what God told him to do. He had remained loyal to God throughout his life. You know, if I were Caleb, I'd have checked out. You know, these guys are never going to go in. These guys are the biggest group of losers. I'm just going to go find a new tribe. I'm just going to worship God on my own and occupy whatever little bit of sand I can find and die. Not Caleb. He remained loyal to God. Even at 85, he had a passion for serving God. He was ready to go fight. He was ready to do battle for God. He says, I'm just as vigorous to go to battle now as I was then. Nothing has diminished. Has your zeal and passion for God diminished over the years? Are you just as zealous today as the day when you came to know Him? Are you more excited? Are you more passionate? What motivated him? He believed the promise of God. God said, this land will be yours. You're going to occupy it. I'm going to give it to you. And he still believed it 45 years later and was ready to go in and fight for it at 85. That is passion. That's what I want. That's the kind of guys I want to be around. That's the kind of people I want to associate with, that we are passionate about the cause of Christ. We're wholehearted. Well, it's a change of perspective. That's what I want us to think about. It's a change of perspective. A passion for God is not an add-on, guys. And, and I think that's what we struggle with is, God, I am so busy. I am so worn out. i got so many plates I'm spinning. Now you're telling me i got to be passionate for God. Sheesh. I don't have the energy. This, this is a different perspective. It's not an add-on. It's not another weight you have to carry. Not another plate you have to spend. It isn't about making room for passion. You know, we did talk about margins. Sometimes we need to give things up. But this isn't about, okay, I've got to give up sports. I'm going to have to give up my golf. I'm going to have to give up hunting. I'm going to have to, because I've got to have room for passion for God. That's not what this is about. It's a change in your perspective. It's not about having less stuff in our day so we can make room for God. And that's what most of us think. It's about getting God into your day and making Him a part of your stuff. Overwhelming your stuff. Possessing your stuff. Whatever it is you do, He becomes a part of it. Our passion for the Savior needs to both drive and define our purpose for living. It's what makes you get up in the morning. It's what possesses you. What saddened you recently? What, what really maybe even brought you to tears or just disappointed you? In his, in his book, uh, The Lion and the Lamb, Brennan Manning asked some kind of poignant questions about this topic. He says, was it the realization that you don't love Jesus enough? Is that, did that sadden you this week? That you don't seek his face in prayer often enough? That you can't honestly say that the greatest thing that ever happened in your life is that he came to you and you heard his voice? Or have you been saddened and depressed over a lack of human respect, criticism from an authority figure, financial problems, lack of friends, or your bulging waistline? What's saddened you this week? You see where he's going with this? Is it the things of Christ or is it the things of this world? 
What's gladden you recently? Listen to what he asks. What has gladdened you recently? Reflection on your election to the Christian community? The joy of praying, Abba, Father, I belong to you? The afternoon you stole away with the gospel as your only companion? The filling awareness that God loves you unconditionally, just as you are and not as you should be? A small victory over selfishness? Or were the sources of your gladness enjoying a new car, a suit, a movie and a pizza, and a trip to Paris? What makes you sad? What makes you glad? You know, this this last weekend I got to spend... um, Three days with my 13-year-old son. We went to a father and son weekend. And it was hard for me to get there. It was hard for me. I had to give up certain things so I could be there. Uh, But I had the best time just being with my son and talking about sexual purity with my son, which I told you last week is not one of my favorite topics to talk about with my son. But to sit in the car, drive down there, talk about things, Skeet shoot together, eat together, talk together, spend time together. It really made me glad. And when we were in the car coming home, and we had to leave at 5.30 in the morning to get back here for church, and it was just overwhelming the sense of joy that I had to be with my son and to have spent that kind of quality time with him. What makes you glad? What what brings you joy? That's what passion is all about. These two questions that Brennan Manning asks us bring us face-to-face with what makes us tick as individuals. What makes you happy? What makes you sad? And too often in my life, circumstances make me sad. Finances, um, stress, work. And I lose my joy. I lose my passion. But to think about the fact that, man... I can pray to God the Father every day, anytime. I can open my Bible anytime I want to, and I live in a country that allows me to do so. I have a relationship with God the Father because of the death of Jesus Christ. Does that bring joy to you? Does it make you happy? Does it put a smile on your face? Let me read this last quote, and we'll close. Jesus is not a religious leader, but he's the Lord of all of life. Responding to his call touches the world of fishing as well as preaching. The depths of the lake, not just the shore. All that we are, all that we do, all that we have, and even all that we think and dream is called into question by this demand. Once again, it's a matter of everyone, everywhere, and everything. What are you passionate about? My prayer... For me, and it's my prayer for you, is that we would become passionate about the cause of Christ, our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, and that when we get together, guys, we are iron iron sharpening iron, and we are pushing each other deeper and deeper into our walk with the Lord. And when people meet us, they sense our passion. And there's no question what it is we're passionate about. That's what I get excited about. And God is doing it. God is raising up many of us and putting that passion within us. Keep seeking it. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I come to you and I thank you that you were passionate about me. And you love me so much that you sent your son to die in my place on a cross. You are passionate 
about me growing in Christ's likeness. So much so that you gave me the Holy Spirit to make it possible. And you love me, you push me, you challenge me, you discipline me, because you're passionate about who you want me to become. Father, may that passion overwhelm my life. May everything I do, my work, my pleasure, my home, everything be permeated by a passion for the things of Christ, for eternal things. Father, continue your transforming work in my life and the life of these men. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the men in this room who are, who are developing a passion for the cause of Christ, for eternal, lasting things. Keep it up. May we be like Caleb, Father. May we be, at 85 years old, still ready to go into battle because we have served you wholeheartedly our entire lives. That's my prayer. That's my desire. And I know it's yours. We love you. We give you this day. Help us to be passionate for you throughout it. And I pray this in Christ's name.